0: and welcome to Mumming It, the podcast where we chat all things parenthood. I'm Harriet Shearsmith and I am indeed mumming it in my way with my three kids, but I want to know what that looks like for other parents. If you like the podcast, don't forget to check out my book also called Mumming It, available in all good bookshops and online. Hi everyone, welcome back. To the podcast. Today's guest is someone that I am really, really excited to speak to. She is a social media expert. She's worked for massive brands like TikTok. She's written for Grazia and she is a mum of three with number four pending. It is Ola Palavangu from the Pello family on TikTok and Instagram. Hello.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to speak to you this morning. It is wet and rainy outside but i think we're gonna have some sunshine conversations and hopefully perk us up this morning
0: i think you're down south aren't you but i'm in north yorkshire obviously we're still Ah. on this digital (laughs) way of recording everything and it keeps getting a bit sunny and you think okay okay we can go and then the rain is insane so very typical july in britain
1: (laughs) the fact now people are talking about christmas in july i'm like wait we haven't even had a summer yet like can we hold up a minute
0: no i think we did have it i think we had our customary two weeks are you a sun lover then is that you like being outside and getting out
1: yeah i think the sun just makes me more of a morning person this morning my daughter said to me she goes oh why are you sad and she's very much of a morning person and i was like i'm not sad i'm just not a morning person especially when it's raining (laughs)
0: like it just makes you want to stay in bed. It does. When the winter lockdown was on, everybody talked a lot about seasonal depression and that kind of thing. And I'd never even yeah. heard the term before. But honestly, I think there is something about seeing that sunshine and just feeling it on your skin and feeling the warmth. And it's like a big hug. And I think it's definitely a thing. I always feel much perkier and much happier when it's sunny. <laughs>
1: 100%. especially when you wake up to it and it's like coming through the blinds and stuff it's a really nice feeling you're like today's gonna to be a good day but when you see the rain you're like right give it to yeah. you
0: <laughs> you've got to kind of give yourself a bit more get up and go extra shot of coffee and be like yeah no it's, it's, it's gonna be a good day I'm gonna make it a good day so well thank you so much for coming on I am honestly so excited to chat to you because I've followed you for quite a while on Instagram and I've discovered your TikTok which is hilarious. I love the way that you involve your whole family in it. Like, I I mean, I, I use TikTok for a bit of escapism. I say I like scrolling, but I kind of get into like a deep, scroll and then that ad comes up from tiktok that says have you been on here a bit too long and I'm like nope leave me alone <laughs> So <laughs> I love tiktok for that but you don't often see as many people get the whole family involved and your kids just seem to love it so much so how do you feel about having your kids online and also how have you kind of nurtured this real joy as a family on tiktok
1: I think that's a question we definitely get a lot and what started it all off was lockdown I mean half the things we share now we would do behind the camera before that was us normally but then this was way even before I worked at TikTok so lockdown happened in like homeschooling and we were looking for a bit of escapism and it was like when it's all getting really stressful and I was like what is this TikTok thing about and kids love dancing music is a big thing in our house like we make a Sunday morning playlist every weekend and i do it on a Saturday and whether we're making waffles on a Sunday or something there's always different songs on whether it's Blink 182 just introducing them to like old classics and stuff and getting them like pumped for the weekend and making it exciting at home but TikTok just gave us that sort of opportunity to do it together as a family and then we started recording it and sharing it and um, we really just enjoyed it and I think that was the main thing we didn't do it for the numbers we did it because we really enjoyed it and someone would be like, oh my gosh have you seen this TikTok we should try this one and then Maya my daughter loves inventing dances and then she would be like right we can do this and do that and just seeing how excited they were to take part in it meant that it wasn't something that we felt forced to do and it didn't feel like unnatural to what we would normally do it just felt like a platform sharing what we were doing before but to answer your second question about having the kids on social media I think when you are on any social media platform privacy concerns is a huge huge topic and especially with children who have their whole future ahead of them and once things are on the internet they're out there forever Mm. and it's like you have to consider the sorts of things you're setting them up for, especially because they become aware that they're on social media, there's an audience, there's followers and things. And I think we have that conversation quite openly that we do it because we enjoy it. Like, if one person likes it, that's fine. If two people likes it, but we're not doing it because, like, we want to be famous. It might sound a little bit strange, like, because we're so thankful and grateful for the audience that we've built on TikTok and Instagram. But when you do something and it's something you're passionate about, because in the process, we're making memories. These are videos that I can show them when they're like 18 that they probably don't wanna do TikToks with us anymore. And so it's almost like the content you create should add to memories as opposed to creating an alternative lifestyle that you have at home. But there is the darker side where people will take your content or pictures of your children and share it. And something I wrote recently in Grazia was getting a message from one of our audience on Instagram. And it was like, oh, this baby looks like your son. And she lived in Brazil. And it was a big billboard in Brazil and advertising a baby lotion. And it was Dream, whose picture had been lifted off of Instagram and put on a billboard, a baby lotion that I've never heard of or we don't endorse or anything like that. But in terms of covering yourself, legally you have to have like (laughs) a lot of money um, to be able to cover yourself internationally. I mean there are things you can do legally in the UK and stuff and brands can be guilty of it as well because they just see it as like lifting something especially if you've tagged them. So I think it's part and parcel. I don't think anyone is exempt and there's no sort of like full protection, but we do it because we see the bigger picture. It's purposeful and we're like almost like bring them up in the digital age to understand that when you share content, it should be something that brings you joy and brings other people joy as opposed to something that you're doing for validation, which is really important.
0: You see, I love that because I, I got into social media and I got into blogging because I wanted to create a career around the kids. But when the kids started to get involved, it was very much whether or not they wanted to, and I've spoken of before on my Instagram about why you maybe don't see my eldest as often because he's 10 now. He's got to that point now where a few of his friends are getting social media. He's quite salty that he's not got his own social media but he's got to that point now where he is feeling a bit more of his own identity and learning who he is and he doesn't necessarily want to be involved and that's Mm. cool and we've always kind of reiterated to them and I think TikTok and Reels have been a really great way of pushing that forward of using social media to be yourself and to connect with other like-minded people and to have a bit of joy and I saw in one of your articles that you wrote I think you were talking about a digital diet Mm -hmm. and it is very much like that it's about enjoying you know having the bits that you enjoy and having that fun and that great time and when it stops Coming away from it and doing other things that feed your mental health and that feed your happiness, really, isn't it? But I, I love, I love your daughter. She cracks me up. I was watching your TikTok earlier, and I think you'd done a sister act. You can see she's having the time of her life and that she loves it. And my Toby's quite similar in the way that he wants to be involved in that kind of thing and wants to do that sort of thing, and he enjoys it. He's not quite got the same level of showmanship that she does. She has me in stitches and you can you can just see that she's having the best time. So I love that and I love that it's done as a family and that it kind of replicates your at-home behind the screen experience of just having joy together and just living your best lives basically. How are your kids feeling about baby number 4 because I was watching I think you posted last night on Instagram some of your old TikToks <laughs> isn't it your youngest I thought they were so much fun and I love that you were like baby number four has got no idea what's coming (laughs) and I love that and I just how are your kids feeling about having another addition to the show really
1: (laughs) You know what, Maya is so excited and she's even thought about different TikToks and stuff. Micah Remy, he's three, my middle son, and he's really clued on now. He was like, when the baby comes, I'll hold him or her like this and should we call the baby this and call the baby that? And But dream, I don't think he knows that he's up for like relegation from the youngest um, in the house because <laughs> third child is a thing. Like he very much runs the house and he'll let you know from his little like Arms by his side and he's like mm! and I'm like from hands in the toilet and like why what you he does things that I never experienced with Maya and Micah Remy and I'm just like you were sent to test me, were not you? <laughs> but yeah, I think they're all really, really excited. So Maya is really pushing for a baby sister. And I was like, you know what? Um I'm not sure. Like we find out and stuff and when we were doing our vision boards together because we do it together every new year's eve we do like a family vision board party where we get pizza in we get like we just get loads of food in and we just like do our vision boards and we had the one from last year and this year she put like a baby sister on there she was like i really want a baby sister so when we told her we were pregnant she was like no you're just tricking me you're tricking me i'm not you're not pregnant and she was like that means everything you put on your vision board does come true then and she's really now like oh my gosh I can't wait to do next year's one I'm gonna put Disneyland everything now I'm like oh my gosh are we are gonna have to make it all happen
0: <laughs> I think that's absolutely wonderful. I've not heard of anybody doing like a family vision board and I love that. And I love as well that she's now conned into the fact that she <laughs> she thinks it's all going to come true. That's really made me smile. I think that's so lovely. With you saying about third child, that's really cracked me up because Edith is my youngest. I have Reuben, Toby and Edith. When I first was pregnant with a girl, everybody was like, oh, wait for a girl. And I was thinking, pfft, rubbish, gender's not going to make any difference they're all individuals and I've put it down to third child because she's a girl, so to hear that you've said your third child as well rules the roost because Edith, will, her brother tried to take some chocolate off her the other day and he is nearly double her height and he's yeah. really broad, he's like his dad and she's quite small and dainty and she just swung for him and stamped her foot at him and was like no, and that was it yeah. and uh, she's six so she's really got no kind of toddler excuse or anything for that level <laughs> of um a violent reaction although admittedly that's how I would react if someone tried to take my yeah. chocolate. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. 100%. But she just she rules the roost and she's got no no qualms about telling anyone, but she's also started saying that she would love a baby sister or a baby brother. Yeah. It's no from us, but it would be really interesting to see how she reacted. So I'm going to be watching to see exactly how Dream reacts when he yeah. is ousted from that baby position. There's an extra sort of level, isn't there? I don't even think it's mollycoddling. I think it's just you're the baby. So you yeah. kind of manage to wiggle a bit more of what you want, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And Maya is almost like she was the first
1: one. So she's very much like self confident like self-aware and things being the first one and she's like a mum to those two but Micah yeah. Remy, who's my middle son because Maya she has this energy about her. she speaks obviously she's quite chatty which I encourage like she asks a lot of questions and it's almost like he settled into second place has almost been like well she can ask all the questions and I'll just follow kind of thing yeah. we weren't sure whether that was why he took a little while to speak actually um he didn't start speaking until he was three we were really really worried and I think he was just taking it all in I think when you have an elder sibling who is quite confident and speaks a lot it's very much like you can sometimes just take a seat and like she'll sort it out kind of thing and then now he's found his voice he kind of like will challenge things and stuff which we really really encourage but dream he just does not care for anything he's just like right I want that bread and I'm going to take it because you've got it in your hand and he'll just take it and I'm just like wow okay. <laughs>
0: do you find as right. well that you're older too kind of just let him like Ruben seeded yes. he's very much as you said the oldest child kind of slips into the role of parenting them sometimes and I'll say to him that you're not their dad so you can't mm. tell them what to do they're not going to respond to that well so back up a bit and Toby who is my middle child he's also like Micah Remy's quite laid back quite Mm. like okay just get on with it and then he's got that fire when he really is angry but he's kind of happy for them to do their thing whereas Mm. both of them will give in to Edith really quickly like without any questions at all. Do
1: you think that came from when like Edith and say Dream were younger and we were constantly like oh no let him have it he's the baby like so it's almost like they've been conditioned to be careful or to kind of just let the youngest have their way and especially when they were really tiny dream sleeping you can't make noise so their life kind of changed a little bit with this new baby so it's almost like conditioned them to feel like maybe yeah he's the one who needs all the care and attention and everything as well
0: yeah I think that that makes sense actually because I was always you know I was on my own Adam was working quite a lot of hours because he worked in hospitality so I would be like, I'm going to go and put Edith to bed.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, be
0: quiet. And like really actively encouraging them to change their behavior around her. So I wonder if that's what it is. Maybe we've hit the nail on the head there. Maybe we've conditioned them.
1: There might be something around that. Like when there's the arrival of the new baby, how you ask them to kind of respond to the baby. And it kind of just sits with them as they get older. And, and then that new baby, as he cottons on, he or she cottons on, becomes aware to the fact that you're forever saying, give it to your little brother don't do that, do that, and then that's like, right, this is my turn, like, and it gives them that sort of, like, little boost to be a little terror. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this makes complete sense, we've done it to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? So, how are you feeling in pregnancy? I mean, it, it's a strange time to be pregnant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to the journey again, because we're going to be having a home birth, and they, we had a home birth with Dream, and A few mums have always said that when you know it's your last, you kind of get the feeling. And I actually feel like this is it for me. This is it. I keep saying to Darcy I was like I don't think I can do this again like my body can't take it anymore but um, when we first got together Darcy was like maybe we should have six and I was like yeah I agreed back then and with every single one I've kind of been like maybe we should stop now but with number four we were definitely like let's keep it close together let them grow up together and um, we're so thankful that we're able to go through this again with pregnancy and have baby number four but I'm feeling like more exhausted. Obviously there's like a lot more to do with the children. Life's changed like a lot from each one of the pregnancies as well. So I think like when I compare it all, I was working full-time at Global with Maya at Capital. And then with Micah Remy, I was running my own business. And then with Dream, like the business, I did brand consultancy. So I didn't really have a maternity leave and stuff. Mm -hmm. So this one I'm more excited because now that we're in that position where we do content creation full-time as a family, I feel like the baby will, I'll be able to be around a lot more and be part of the journey, which was something that I felt a lot of guilt over because either I was wanting to go back to work because you were scared for your role and you were like, people are gonna think I'm not capable anymore. Or you had a business that you couldn't really walk away from. And this is the first time that I think our lives will coincide with our work and it won't feel like I'm having to have a conflict with working and having a baby at the same time.
0: It's so hard, isn't it? Because there's so many pressures around motherhood and working and your career and so much mum guilt as well. And mum guilt is something that really fascinates me because it's something that I feel so deeply so often. And yet I speak to my husband and he has the same worries and the same love and concerns for our children that I do, but he doesn't have the guilt. He wouldn't have felt guilty going to work and he wouldn't have felt guilty going and enjoying something for himself and I think mum guilt in particular it's fascinating how it's so prevalent for so many people it's one of the things that I really really wanted with this career in particular was to be able to as you say kind of slot myself around their childhood and make sure that I was always there and I was always present and it's it's a huge privilege to be able to do it but ditching that mum guilt is is so hard
1: yeah I definitely think it's hard I mean recently when we went away for a staycation it's just me and Darcy I think on the journey there once you kind of hit exhaustion with like motherhood and stuff I said to Dream when I saw him I really missed you and I got a DM and I was like you didn't really miss him though did you and I thought about it and I was like I didn't I actually didn't miss him but it's like naturally we feel like we have to miss them but it's okay to have enjoyed that time away and been like actually I didn't miss the chaos I didn't miss the crying I didn't miss being called mum from all three different directions and stuff like that and um I think I'm getting better at kind of understanding that you can be happy not being around your children and you should be vocal about that as well because it can be a lot it can be so, so exhausting. But I think we feel that when we put that out there, people might be like, Well, why are you a mother then if you don't enjoy? It? But it's not that. You're just saying that you don't want to spend every living minute with them in your ear. And that's normal.
0: <laughs> Gosh, that resonates with me so much. So pre pandemic, Adam and I would take like little weekend breaks, really, very similar to what you guys did. And I think the longest one that we did was four days. We went to Rome and Italy, somewhere I'd always wanted to go. So I was so excited about it and I didn't miss them. I really mm-hmm. didn't had the most wonderful time and just reconnecting with my husband and with myself as well and just spending that time as adults without the constant as you say mum yeah. and they'll all talk at me at once and it can be really overwhelming yeah. and I spoke about the fact that as much as I adore them I didn't miss them we spoke to them beforehand and we kept in touch with my in-laws but we weren't ringing every single night to speak to them one yeah. we thought it'll probably upset them if they've had a bad day or something they'll probably want us and then we ring up and we're not there and two they weren't fussed we were getting pictures of them doing all sorts of things with their grandparents like, living their best lives like they yeah. didn't care and I had a few people message me and be like why, why didn't you ring? I couldn't not ring my child every night that's awful we don't just do it to ourselves but we do it to other mothers as well yeah and, this and we is need it. To knock
1: <laughs> I think it's the people who have those opinions that are probably lying to themselves I think they're trying to fit what that perfect motherhood should be like and that's what causes anxiety it's what causes depression because you're showing the world that oh I love it I love doing this I love waking up and going to the football every Sunday and in the cold and sitting there like in the snow and getting my hands frozen I absolutely love it like kind of thing and there are days when you're like do you know what I could do with a lie this Sunday morning and I wish I didn't have to do this and what I found a lot recently is the bond from what we share on Instagram has come from when you share reality, when you share your kids in the garden eating soil, it happens all the time. And then the stories I had on the feed about kid was in the playground, picked up a cigarette button before I knew it, she chewed it in like half a snail and stuff. But it's stories that you're afraid to share in case you're labeled as a bad mother. and We need to stop it because we know what's going on in our house, but I think it's because we kind of don't share it. We feel like we're better than other people whereas we're all in the same boat like there are times when i just like stop screaming my name yeah. and you you say that and that happens a few times a week I would say <laughs> like oh, yeah yeah we have, real. we have to keep it real or they do things and then you're just like why did you do that I just don't understand and because the parenting side isn't just the fluffy side it's the side that challenges you and that's changed you and then you have to become that you can't always be their friend because there's the boundaries and that's something that I was talking to you earlier about working mums on Netflix I love watching relationships like with yourself as well I love seeing how that will develop with older children and how I can possibly shape how I am as a parent as well but I think looking on to seeing how other people are dealing with older children with teens and stuff and there's a different array of mums on social media that I just love how they're just like, I mean, um, Nicola, this girl, can organise teams.
0: Oh, yes. I don't know her, but I've heard no. of her account.
1: Yes. She shares like quite a bit on like the fact that like raising teams and I'm interested in that stuff because the challenges we have now, <laughs> we should remember ourselves as teams. If Maya is anything like I was as a team and I've got it all to come and I <laughs> think things where it'll be cuddles and I love you you're the best mum in the world there'll be times where she doesn't even want to sit next to me and you have to wonder uh, what have I done so yeah. I think we need to start building that mentality now that if we're real about it then we can share our actual issues that are happening at home with other parents that'll be like do you know what it's normal she didn't speak to me for the whole week because I told her no screen time or because I told her she had to do this and I'm like Right, okay. And then you can then mold your parents in accordingly at home because every child is unique. But it's nice to not pass judgment, but to observe and think, right, this is the sort of things that I've probably got to come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's the old saying, isn't there, of it takes a village. And I think in this digital age, the wonderful thing is your village can be anywhere in the world but you have it right there in your pocket and it's a support network and it's a learning tool and it's a sharing of information and when we keep that real and when we keep it honest and we are brave enough to say, I'm not liking this, or I found that really difficult, or this happened today, and I feel really guilty about it. It allows other people to say that that happens to all of us. It happens to everyone. Going back to your point about not being their friend all the time, I was always raised with the mentality of, I'm not your friend, I'm your mum. And that is a totally different relationship to what you'll have with your friends. And it doesn't mean that you're not having fun. It doesn't mean that you're not, you know, enjoying time and that you've not got that similar best best friend vibe going on at times but there is always that separate role and I think that's something that I'm trying to pass on to my children that I can be there to support them but I have those boundaries as well where I'm their mum and I'm in charge and that kind of <laughs> I mean ch- I like to think I'm in charge
1: I'm totally with you on that and I think yeah we just, we just need to know that it won't always because now they need us like it's almost like they need us and we're like their support their lifeline almost but there'll be a time when that independence starts coming into place which will challenge some of the things that we think I think this probably won't work for you or I don't want you to get hurt out of the fact we want to protect them Mm -hmm. but a lot of us have to find out the hard way you know what it's like when your parents are like no that's not good you want to do it it makes you want to do it more doesn't it so um yeah I think that makes me excited for motherhood knowing that there'll be the challenges but equally we're here so we all survived it and yeah. we were all building families of our own, and all of our experiences shaped us. Whether it's like me saying to my parents, I was in the library, and then jumping on a coach to see a boy um, and going all the way to Canterbury, and then missing the last coach home, and then having to tell them that <laughs> I got locked in the library. And then my dad went to speak to the caretaker, Mr. Stevens, and was like, Right, are you not doing sweeps of the library before you've locked it? Olive said she got locked in the, in the, in the library last night and he covered, he was like, he saw my face, he was like, I'm really, really sorry. I'm so sorry. I should have checked. And it was a thing that we never, ever really spoke about, Mrs. Me and Mr. Stevens. And he just covered for me. And it's like, if you know the sort of things that you've done to kind of avoid like brawls and the lies that you've told, you're like, oh gosh, what have I got to come?
0: If you have not done so already, send the man a bottle of whiskey or something to say thank you.
1: If I found him, I would thank him, him all the gifts because he saved me. <laughs> I love that everything. And like he was just, like, I'm really sorry. He looked at me and it's almost like we connected. He knew I'd lied, of course. Like he didn't yeah. lock me in the library. Like he was like, But if your dad has then takes it higher to the school and says I locked a pupil in the library, we're gonna have to come clean. And I that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what a legend that man is. Yeah, definitely a legend. I wonder where he is now, actually. But we all have stories like that. But knowing that there is a stage as girls and boys go through different stages mm. as well where like, you just want to rebel. You just want to rebel because you just like, well, they've tried to keep me under wraps and like under lock and key and I'm just going to do my own thing. And then you're like, oh gosh, maybe I (laughs) shouldn't. Like I'm now stuck in Canterbury coach station with nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go.
0: (laughs) But you got through it, right? So they must've done a good enough job to have prepared you for sitting there in that situation thinking, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm now yeah. stuck in a bus station, but you're still here. So luckily. <laughs> I survived it. Oh gosh,
1: I can't, that story. Do you remember when stories just come to you and you're like, oh, the things we got up to.
0: See, that's oh. one of the things I like about podcasting because these stories just suddenly pop out there and you've totally forgotten about them. Like you, you've repressed them or you've forgotten or whatever. And they're just there all of a sudden and it brings back mm-hmm. some wonderful memories. I think I've reached that stage of motherhood now where I'm starting to become kind of the more like passive role at times, especially with Ruben, he's 10 now. And he turned to me the other day and was like, I want to go to the cinema. And I was thinking, okay, cool. We've not been to the cinema for a while. I want to go with my friend. And I said, oh, right. Okay. I can take you both. And he was like, "Mm, could you drop us off? And I was thinking, okay, right. So I'm now in that more passive role with him at times where I'm there because I'd have to stay to make sure that they were okay, he's only 10. So I'd need to be there, but I'm not really there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually quite a hard pill to swallow. And like, they'll be doing things and entertaining themselves And I'll be able to sit with a hot cup of coffee, which is a great perk of it. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, someone's going to shout me in a minute. You know, I must be ready. I must need to go. And it's getting to that stage now where I'm seeing moments where I'm becoming more of a passenger Mm. and letting them take a more active role in the things that they're doing. So even at this tweeny stage... He's starting and I can see it and it's only going to build. And it leaves you with some really big questions about what you're meant to do with your time and who you are now as a person. Because I remember before kids, I was a totally different person to who I am now. So we talk a lot about getting yourself back. But I'm not going to get that person back because that was 10 years ago. So now it's a case of looking and going, okay, well, who am I now? Who am I in this new role as a mum? And it constantly evolves in the same way that they do. That need becomes less and less and less Like for them
1: to kind of, they don't need us and then you almost feel like in limbo like I think that's one of the things as well from watching like mums with older children I'm really interested in looking at how that role changes and how to adapt to it and this is why as much as we share our real conversations I appreciate other content creators who share their real conversation because I feel like I'm learning loads as well I'm feeling a bit more prepped for like that journey ahead which is why we have to keep it real on social because you don't know how many people you're helping on the journey
0: as well. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see that stage as well. Yeah, it's that next kind of step in parenthood. So, one of the things that, and this is actually how I discovered you on social media, was when you did an IGTV, just your chatty ones where you're talking about a topic and you're keeping it really real. And one of the ones that I first came across was where you were talking about mothering without your mother, be that via her passing away not mm. be that via your own choice and it really resonated with me at the time because actually it was the first Mother's Day that I had been without my mum and my mum hasn't passed away but for various reasons we have a really fractious relationship and I've chosen to take a step back from that and protect myself which within itself has come with some really big questions mm. and is not by society standards certainly, not really discussed and not really accepted very well. So it was just the way you were talking about it really spoke to me and it was totally judgment free. How has your experience of mothering without a mother been?
1: Yeah I mean like gosh where do we start? First of all I just want to say like roles kind of flipped as well like I understand how those fractures relationships and like toxic relationships can cause you to kind of almost forgive someone but you don't want to. you can coexist but not want them because I'm in that same position with my dad and again it's not something that's commonly spoken about on social media you almost feel like guilt from people who have lost their parents but you've chosen not to have your parent in your life based on that toxic environment so I can totally relate from every bone in my body um when it comes to like my dad and stuff like that as well so um but mothering without a mother I think really really helped me do you know when the emotions are like coming to the surface yeah. help me help me understand how to see what's the most important thing when it comes to motherhood. And I think it's made me who I am in terms of like understanding that your best is always enough because I then sat there in the role of a daughter and felt like how I felt about my mum, but she was probably feeling the guilt, that I probably felt a lot of the times to want to protect us and not want to do anything to hurt us because there was so much stuff that I found out after she passed away from an anonymous letter. Whoever wrote that, I don't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing that told me all the things that she'd had to do. With and that she'd kept from us, and all the horrible things that, like, and she was a smiler, she was quite like me, and she was very much like you would never have known on a Sunday. She was always the last one to sit down at the dining table because she wanted to make sure everyone was okay, but she was dealing with a lot that she protected us from. And it made me realize that as women, we quite often ignore our own feelings and emotions and put them on the back burner out of protection for this family that we're building. But then in effect, it's really like killing us inside. And it made me feel really kind of aware of when I'm feeling certain things and I ignore it. So now I try and really address my feelings and be like, right, if this is happening, how do I let the children know from a way to make them more emotionally intelligent and keeping it real with them as opposed to feeling like I have to wipe my tears in the bathroom and come downstairs and be this happy mum. And people always ask like, if there was one thing You could ask her if she was still here. And I felt like the question I would always ask her is like, did she neglect her own sort of needs as a woman in exchange for her role as a mother? And that for me is really important. And this is why I think we should always think about how we feel as mums. When people say, how are you doing? And stuff, it's not that whole, yeah, I'm fine. You know what? The kids are just, if it goes deeper than that, let it out. Because it's emotions that you bottle up inside that can actually, Affect you like health wise, like stress can materialize in itself and how it kind of adapts the way your cells react to like certain illnesses and your immune system because you're so broken down inside that your body is like can't cope with certain things. So, speaking more is definitely something that even with my relationship with Darcy, like making sure you have those conversations when you're feeling it before it gets to a point where you've repressed it and it starts turning into trauma. And when events that you don't address and turn into trauma, they'll come out later on in life. So I think Mothering Without a Mother for me has been like always remembering. To acknowledge my needs and know that they're valid too. Like my feelings are valid too, and I don't have to come second to my children. But I am a mum, but I'm also a woman. I am also me. If I'm not okay mentally, it will tell in my mothering and stuff as well. I think back and look for signs. I wish I'd picked that up with mum. I wish I'd known. I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. So I have check ins with myself have you been completely honest with how you felt about all the situations that you've gone through this week and have you been completely honest with your emotions around your family because if you can't be open and yourself around them then who else that you're forever going to be falling in the world but it's been hard like when you want to talk about your first oh so-and-so's doing this or Maya's lost another tooth or she's into this now and stuff you almost feel like wow, like, I can't really have that conversation. And what makes me cry the most, and I say to Darcy, is like, I don't have someone who brought me into this world anymore who can be like have you eaten today my mum was constantly like have you done this have you done that so um when I see other people with their parents with their mums there is that sort of air of like oh, gosh why have I not got that I haven't got someone to come around and say you're not feeling too well and stuff like I've got to be the mum all the time there's <laughs> no like you can't be ill
0: there's We're no one's bothering you kind of. yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so um it's been hard it's been hard and I hope I haven't waffled because it's a topic that sometimes you just think that gosh it's hard but I definitely believe that nothing happens to us by accident and one of the things I said when it happened to me and Darcy was like that's a strange thing to say was like I'm glad it happened to me as opposed to so-and-so as opposed to so-and-so because I felt like maybe I am the stronger person to be able to get through and I'm not strong all the time but it's almost like it's so painful that you almost are happy it happened to you and not somebody else that you care about or a close friend or a cousin because you're like okay at least it happened to me and not my cousin and not this person because imagine if they lost their mum kind of thing and thinking I'm obviously the person that whether you believe in God or whatever that feels like this is my path and in sharing this, I'm going to be able to share my truth and, like, live my truth and help other people. But, gosh, like, even speaking now, do you know what? Like, do you know the tears are, like, here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, in the neck. And then they're, like, if you kind of, if I took a breath and sat down and thought about it, you would burst. In. And that's grief. It never goes away. And going back to your point, whether the person is no longer there in your life you're still missing them. The loss is still the same. And I think acknowledging that, that every feeling of loss does not mean that the person's passed away. It's loss of a relationship, it's loss of having that person there. And in a way, and it might be strange to say this, I feel like the grief of still having someone in this world, but not having the relationship with them and choosing not to have them around could actually be... Um, <laughs> quite painful as well like even a little bit more painful and that's how I feel with my dad because it's like you know they're still here but you've chosen to remove them out of your life So you can grieve a relationship that's no longer there. You can grieve the fact that you don't have that person in your life anymore. But every feeling of grief is valid. There is no sort of like criteria. Do you cry in the morning? Do you do this? Do you do that?
0: There's so many different ways in which grief can manifest for us. And so many different ways in which we can get to that point where perhaps our parents are no longer in our lives. But they do provide you with that foundation if you like and as you say there's there's nobody there to be mothering you and I I have that but through my own choices But I think it's quite a thing for women. We're not very good at talking and acknowledging our grief because especially when we become mums, you kind of put your own emotions on the back burner so that you can remain strong. But I think speaking about it, we find strength in acknowledging the emotions that are usually perceived as weak. Because when I think of my kids, I don't want them to grow up thinking that they can't grieve openly or anything like that. I want them to feel the full spectrum of emotion and reach out for support if they need it. But how are they going to learn to do that? if I don't show them that it's okay to be vulnerable, if I don't show them that it's okay to be sad and it's okay to say, I'm finding this really difficult. So yeah, I think that's really poignant. And I think particularly when I saw your IGTV, it resonated with me for very different reasons to the way that it might have resonated with other people. But because I understood the way that you were talking and how you felt, and particularly on a day like Mother's Day, it compounds everything and it makes you really step up to that because it's everywhere then isn't it it's in the the supermarket in the cards in the big you know point of sales displays and it's everywhere and it really hits you in the face and again uh, my father has passed away and it's the same on father's day it's there it hits you in the face and it's difficult
1: yeah it's so difficult and do you know what I think that like where I sort of made that transition is almost thinking I may not have that, because you see certain mums are like 60 and 70, and I might not see my mum at that, but I can be that mum, I can be that grandparent, so it's like, rather than thinking about all the things I'll no longer have, or I've missed, or she might not see, I'm thinking well I can be that grandparent. So it's almost like once you've moved through certain things and on the whole side of toxic relationships, I see that as breaking generational cycles that are going to need you to keep moving forward to protect the future generations. Otherwise it's going to keep repeating itself. And that's where we can't let the fact that society says that we feel judged because we've made a decision to remove a family member out of our lives because there's a lot riding on it. It's not just you. Having those people around your children could then take them to those places of trauma that you went through. So it's so important that you protect that side of things and say, do you know what, I've made a decision, not for me, but for my children, for the future. And they're not missing out on anything because they've got all the love they need. And I think that's something that worries us sometimes. It's like, oh, they haven't got this grandparent or got this and that they'll be fine. And it's like, we are more than equipped to show them all the love and to be those people that we never had in certain parents and just kind of move through those generational cycles and be like, you know what, I'm going to break through it. But I'm not just going to stand here and think about those cycles are broken, I'm going to keep moving forward and bring us more like closer to a place where that trauma isn't the same that I went through. So um, this is a topic that I never thought we'd talk about. But I think with the whole removing a family member because it's something that you need to do I think that needs to be discussed a lot more because like there's so much around it that you just need to free yourself mentally sometimes to be able to be the best version of you otherwise you're going to be stuck in that place where you're constantly wondering that you're the problem but you're yes.
0: not oh god yes. It's not, I mean, it wasn't actually my intention to discuss it either. And it's something I haven't actually discussed. I've kept it very much for myself. And I think perhaps because I've not been ready to discuss it and it is very stigmatized. It really is. I I, I mean, I pick up um, a takeaway every week for the kids and the person in the takeaway knows my mum and has asked me how's your mum and I've said I don't know I have not spoken to her for quite a time I hope she's really well and every week without fail I will get how's your mum have you made contact with her yet and I'm like no thank you I haven't and every week I'll get the oh you know you only get one mom, and I'm thinking yeah I do and my relationship with mine hasn't been good so I need to protect myself from that and she needs to protect herself from that because I think it was toxic both ways mm-hmm. and that's especially for me to protect myself from that having already had a fractious relationship with one parent this is turning into a therapy session And <laughs> I, <think, but laughs> I
1: think this is when you get the best and most real conversations mm-hmm. because this is the stuff that we need to be talking about. I've never shared about my dad and stuff like this on social media, but it felt right to. And I think these sort of conversations free us mentally from that burden we carry a lot from not sharing. And almost like I said, that whole, that's the part sometimes I'm like, I wonder whether people wonder like, who her dad is like on social or whatever or on father's day why she only celebrates Darcy or she never mentions why she only. and you know you start thinking about that and you just like you know what it's not their business but sometimes speaking about it Really does
0: help. It does help. It's breaking that stigma surrounding it. And it's not anybody else's business, but breaking the stigma around it is important. And I think if we can feel comfortable in doing that, then that's a huge thing because hopefully there'll be somebody listening to this that goes, you know what, I've cut off a toxic relationship and I too get the oh, you only get one, whatever. And mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking all the time. I mean, it really, it's it really stings because you're actually really conscious of the fact that you only get one. And it's proper shit that you only get one and it hasn't worked <laughs> out right. And I mean, for me in particular, well, we have an annex because we built the annex for my mum. And mum lived with us until not so long ago. So it's very fresh and it's, you know, been a very quick process in saying, actually, this isn't working. Let's move this way. And once that decision was made, that's when a lot of the toxicity came to the front. So I think people quite often forget that although you only get one, that one looks different for absolutely everybody 100%
1: and this conversation we're having I think is going to help a lot more people than we think and when we speak I think it's just it's not about us it's about the other people that are wondering stuff but have never ever had the courage to speak about it and live with it day in day out and wondering like are they the bad person for me it's like if someone's listening to this and wondering whether you're the bad person like you've made a decision to protect your peace and always be self-assured in that like be really like right I'm doing this not out of selfishness but out of self-care and the fact that I value myself and my being and you value that person as well because you can coexist I saw something recently you can forgive someone silently and move on with your life because do I see myself sat at a table at Christmas ever with my dad I don't think so because the things that have been done the questions that I could have asked my mum and things like that it's been done so rather than thinking about gosh I'll never have this I think like I'll see loads of Christmases with like the children around the table but think about what's to come as opposed to what's been and what could have been so yeah I think that's
0: Yeah, it is. It's what's to come. It's being secure in the knowledge that you've made the right decision for you and for your children and your family moving forward. And I love what you said. Be self-assured in the fact that this is your self-care to allow yourself to have that peace from that toxic person, whatever relationship that might be. And I think self-care, particularly across Instagram and that kind of thing, is painted as the bubble bath Mm -hmm. and, you know, the... isn't it it's the bubble bath and it's it's having the the nice face mask and actually self-care can go an awful lot deeper than that especially if you are experiencing trauma within relationships Self-care in that instance is to be brave enough and to have the courage to go, you know what? This is really traumatic for me. This is really negative for me. Nothing good is coming from this for me or for you. I'm gonna step back.
1: This conversation, like about how fluffy self-care has become. It's become the buzzword, hasn't it? Well, a bit of self-care tonight, you've got a towel on, cucumber on your eyes. (laughs) We need to de-fluff it. We need to, like you said, the trauma often goes deeper than that. And self-care sometimes is that address. Those things that we buried so deeply that we allow ourselves to think about how it's affected us and the things we need to do to get ourselves to that place where we're starting to heal. And that healing is not always physical. It's not always getting your nails painted, getting a pedicure and whatever. It's not facial. It's internal.
0: Isn't it? It is and it, it's working on yourself as a human being and again as a woman as well as a mum because we lose that female identity I think sometimes when we become a mum or maybe not female identity but we lose our identity as women separate from our motherhood and that's a huge yeah. part of us and it always will be a huge part of us and I think I remember doing some work with a brand and they wanted us to talk about self-care and I remember turning to my manager and being like I don't really do self-care care like can you imagine if I'd been like right well sit down let's talk about trauma like, it just yeah. it's not what they wanted what they wanted was you know the facials and the cucumber on the eyes and the getting your nails done and things and that is that, that's great if that makes you feel good about yourself then that absolutely is self-care but it's a really tiny tip of the iceberg small part that is very fluffy when in reality self-care can go a lot deeper and it can hurt like hell at times it was traumatic to say this is a toxic relationship and no more really traumatic and I don't think I've processed that trauma yet I am working through it but it was not when you think of self-care you think of it making you feel good and nice about yourself and that's not always the case sometimes yeah. it can be really hard and it, it stings a bit whilst you are ripping off that plaster but ultimately it's going to put you in a better place.
1: and something you just said as well about how brands like obviously we're both content creators Mm -hmm. I think a brand contacted me after I did the grief IGTV and was just like can we do an ad with you about this and this and this and this I think sometimes you realize that why you're actually on that platform is to actually stay closer to your truth as well and sometimes the pushback has to be stronger and being like you know what that isn't what it means for me I'm not going to get paid for sharing something that's really opposed to how I'm actually feeling as a person and I think like once we all get a lot more confident in the space kind of thing that's something I would always encourage content creators to do because imagine how deeper you're pushing that knife like having that conversation about self-care when you know that to you it's about addressing pain and trauma and things like that so it's something that I've learned a lot recently once we've gone full-time with it that if it doesn't sit well with you or it's exploiting something that would help more people not being an ad then do it that way as opposed to here's a paid partnership and stuff like that because of course the authenticity just because it's an ad will always get questioned so I'm trying to definitely see ways of having more real conversations and being more proactive with that just not giving it all to brands really sometimes it can be awareness if it's a charity if it's a mental health thing but self-care or international women's day or pride month or black history month there is so much jumping on the bandwagon that i think we should all benefit more from using our platforms to have real conversations that don't involve brands that more just share like our real life experiences
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think there's a certain confidence that comes with having made mistakes, perhaps, and learned your way and felt your feet within content creation, where you feel empowered to turn around and go, that doesn't align with me. And I think as well, there's also a certain amount of privilege that comes with it. Because I remember, you you know, you got to pay the bills sometimes. And I remember thinking, God, if I don't take that, what if nothing else comes up? And it's taking that plunge and going, but that doesn't align with me and that's yeah. okay. And knowing that you can say that I think a lot of content creators that I speak to are quite wary of saying no, because they're worried that that's going to mean that this PR agency or this brand will not work with them in the future. Yeah. And that kind of thing, because I'm saying no, that's not for me or no, I think that's exploitative or whatever. And no, you're not you're sticking with your truth and you're aligning yourself with things that align with you as a person and people can feel that authenticity and it's okay if you've made mistakes but moving forwards it's kind of making sure that brands are not exploiting you your audience and that they align with everything
1: oh my gosh like (laughs) <laughs> this has been one of the most wholesome conversations, yeah. I think, in terms of like where we've come from, where we, we've kind of gone like full circle. Because I think motherhood is something that we both live publicly online. Mm-hmm. But equally, there's that behind the scenes thing that, like, the whole real life thing and how living your truth is just like so important. But equally, as well as content creators, like the responsibility we have to ourselves, to our audience, and like how much, like, what we share should always stay true
0: to you really yeah. kind of thing so yeah <laughs> we went the full circle I love that no I really do and thank you so much for talking to me and talking so openly and honestly which I knew you would do because you do it on your platforms and that's what it's all about isn't it it's about being authentically you within motherhood within womanhood and with everything else just living your truth and inviting other people to see it if it feels appropriate to you so on that note I did have one question for you actually that I haven't asked you what is your favorite plantain recipe (laughs) (laughs) because you talk a lot about being a plantain loving family and I love to try things with my kids so I want to know
1: you have to try the plantain lasagna you have to try it like there is nobody that's tried it that hasn't been like my husband was like what is this like it's that sweet and savory mix but it's just so party whether it's with a bit of like whatever potatoes or carbs you want to put on the side and stuff like I'm a carb overload kind of person and yeah. I have mayo and everything um <laughs> but I didn't think I'd get a lot of people and people would dm me so how can I have the recipe so I only went and put a question box up and saying drop your email in here if you want me to send you the recipe Oh my gosh. I think I had over 600 emails and Harry, if you know, do you know in those question box things, yes. I can't even copy and paste. So I had to scroll through and, and type to, them right, individually <laughs> and send the rest of it. It was almost like that question you, you never wish you'd put up like, can't yes. that kind of thing, but it made me happy to see that so many people love to kind of try, I think the best way to kind of encourage that fusion of cultures and that appreciation of other cultures is through food, music, and fashion, like those three things, like people have an appreciation of good clothes, of style, people have an appreciation of music that makes them feel good. And everybody loves good food. Like, Back. if you don't like good food, then like, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but like, I think that's where, like people were like, what's the secret recipe for you guys? Like you've only got 30K or many, however many followers we have now. And you guys get to do this full time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've literally just harnessed all the things that make us feel good. And we share that, whether it's music, again, music, food and um, fashion, clothes and African, whatever it was, like celebrating and culture and food and then of course you throw in the other family like the fact that this is a whole family life so plantain lasagna you have to try but equally I love to kind of you know just like our lives have changed on social media I just love anyone always thinking that oh my gosh can I do that you don't need millions of followers to make yeah. a living that you're passionate about if it can happen for us it can happen for you if you're listening to this and you're a content creator because Half the times we limit ourselves and we kind of push the goalpost because you say, I need this, I need that, I need 500 likes. But you've probably been on campaigns with people who've had 5,000 followers, but their content is shit hot, great, amazing video, or they found their niche, whether it's stop motion, whether it's time lapse videos, whether it's like their photoshopping skills, like dad download, like he's really good. um, He's um, amazing.
0: amazing. And he's He's lovely, is he's fab.
1: Exactly. So I think there are certain people that once you find your own niche, stick to it. But I think what happens on social media is we get pulled in different directions. You yes. go, oh, she's done that. Maybe I should try that now. And then you lose the fact that consistency is key. Like that whole saying that you have to write a book as if no one else is ever going to read it. But the key ingredient is the passion and the truth that you kind of put into it. Because sooner or later, someone will discover that book and it only takes that one person. But if you never wrote that book because you're thinking there are so many other books out there, so many people have spoken about this, then you never, ever know. And I think that's stopping a lot of people because people are doing a lot of watching, but they're not doing a lot of doing. And any way that I can share with people to be like, you know what? Just get consistent with it. Stop looking at what we're doing look this is what you do really well or if you want to know how I did it I used splice or I did this or there's an app called this you go away and you adapt it to yourself you won't be the pillow fan but you can be whatever you want to be but take it and adapt it rather than trying to replicate something do it mold it and kind of use it for you and I think social media can be a place of comparison because we're only human and I'd be lying if I say you don't see something and you're feeling like oh I wish I could do something like that Mm -hmm. but it's how long we let that fester and then we let that affect what we're currently working on that's going to stop kind of like putting yourself out there and just getting on with it because you probably know this platform can change your life but you can also change other people's lives Mm -hmm. by kind of empowering them to feel the fact that like we're not here trying to be like the ones held up on the pedestal we're here for you to kind of be like you know what Black You UK family doing their own thing sharing their culture being honest about issues about race dancing on TikTok and showing messy rooms and their messy house and stuff and if they can do it we can do it too when I see other people growing I'm just like yay because that journey is so exciting when you see the growth and you're like oh this is this is cool like kind of thing and you enjoy it and you're like not doing this for the likes and doing it for the people who are with us who are our audience and stuff I love being on social and I think like there's so many people that have got me through like breastfeeding nights when your nipples have been sore and voice notes yeah I think there is a good side to it if we really really look for it but there is also the bad side that it it can lead to comparison but we really need to check ourselves you need to be like right is that real life for me if not how can I cut my cloth as my mum would say according to my garment kind of thing that whole thing but um I love chats like this I love it
0: you're completely right and comparison is the thief of our joy and going back to what you said about loving seeing other people growing and seeing other people thriving somebody said to me really early on when I started this that there is enough internet for absolutely every single person to thrive and enjoy and to you know find their own group of people that relate to them and if you know if that person you don't relate to cool that's fine there's enough to go around for all of us and for all of us to support each other and be happy for one another's successes and i love that and i feel that vibe from you so where can people find you on social media
1: we're all on OlaPello, so it's ola underscore Pello on tiktok which i'm hoping that we're going to be able to do more of over the summer holidays because instagram has got so busy that we haven't had time to do tiktok so you can find us the Pello fam on TikTok, but um we're not as active on TikTok as we used to be. We spoke to our management team, we're like, we need a break, and like I think we can't get shy about asking for that because you can't just keep churning it out because where your work mixes with social media, doesn't it get overwhelming sometimes when you just um, like, yeah. need a minute or today I just want to share a picture of a snail. I don't want to put yeah. an ad up. I just don't feel like so we've got a two-week break coming up which i'm really looking forward to kind of having time to do some more organic content but we're at ola hello
0: <laughs> amazing right well thank you so much for coming on and there you go people can find you there
1: thank you
0: thank you